0: Hi, this is John Breyer with Mainly Matters, and today we're talking with Dan Tremble. Dan is the mayor of the city of Bangor. We're pleased to have him with us. So, Dan, thanks for um, allowing us to talk with you this morning.
1: Great, John. i glad to be able to do this.
0: All right. So um, I thought we'd start out by just asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your personal history living and growing up in Bangor. I know you've you've been in, in the Bangor area pretty much your whole life, um, so, just you know, give us a, a brief overview of your uh, your background in terms of you know being in the Bangor area.
1: Sure. No, I grew I grew up in Bangor. I uh, went to public schools in Bangor, and I I knew basically I wanted to go to the University of Maine, so that was the only college I applied to when I went wanted to go to college and uh, graduated from Maine in eighty uh, seven with a degree in public administration. But I also knew I kind of wanted to stay in this area, so I. Uh, Been very fortunate to been able to have a number of small businesses in the area. Had a convenience store where I spend most of my time, and I worked there before I bought it. But I've owned it now since uh, 1996, so almost 20, almost almost 25 years. And then about uh, 13 years ago, bought the Grand Round in Bangor. And I also have a number of uh, investment properties, some commercial real estate, and some apartment buildings. So uh, a little. Cross section of things, keep myself busy. And uh, I've been on the uh, city council twice. I served on the city council from 1999 to 2005 and served a term as mayor in 2004. And then I got re elected, uh, got back on the council in, uh, uh, four years ago. And I'm currently serving as mayor this year of the city council.
0: Wow, that's fantastic. And uh... Just by way of reference, Dan and I were at the University of Maine at the same time. I I went to UMaine-Orono, and like you, Dan, I, I only applied to one school, and that was that was the one. Um, and I graduated in 88, but uh, that's great. So you've got your hands in a lot of different pies, and you're very, very experienced, uh, it sounds like, being on the city council and, and also serving as mayor. Um, regarding that, so you, you've been on the city council uh, a couple of times for m- multiple years, and uh, it sounds like you've been mayor um, twice. Now you're in your second term. Can you give our listeners a little bit of an uh, overview of what the difference is between uh, being a regular city council member and, and serving as mayor?
1: Oh, sure. I mean, in Maine, it's kind of like in Portland and Waterville in Maine, they have elected mayors which have a little bit more authority than the Bangor mayor. In in Bangor, there's nine members of the city council and each year the nine members select from among themselves somebody to serve as mayor for that year. So basically a mayor in Bangor it's more ceremonial. If there's any ribbon cuttings, you go to those types of things. But you preside over the council meeting and you do get to vote on. It's not like in case they're a tie you vote. You vote on anything that comes before the council and you you know you appoint members of the council or different committees. And, you know, if somebody wanted to come meet with the city about some business expansion, you'd probably represent the city at the council at a meeting like that. So, you know, in, in some of the larger cities, the mayor has a little bit more authority and uh, has a bigger role in running the city. In Bangor, there's really no day-to-day role for the mayor. It's just, uh, you know, you're kind of the first among nine on the council.
0: Okay. Well, th- thanks for explaining that. That's uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um you know, you, you mentioned some of your business background in Bangor, right? so I know that in addition to, to being on the council and, and then serving as mayor, you've, uh, you've run various businesses. I, I actually met met Dan back in the late 80s. You had a, a sandwich shop on Central Street called the Norumbega Cafe, um, and by the way, I was talking with uh, a mutual friend yesterday and mentioned that you and I would be speaking today, and he, he said, tell Dan I still, I still miss the Norumbega specials. He liked, that sand- <laughs> he liked that sandwich. Um, but anyway, so over the years, you had the Nornberger Cafe. Cafe. Um, you went on to then, um, you know, purchase the, the Fairmont Market, which I, I know you've had for a long time. And then you got involved in owning the ground round. So um, definitely a lot of business experience there. Like you mentioned, you have rental properties, um, in, in both commercial and residential. So you've got a, you know, a good basket of experience there in the, in the business sector. How do you feel you know, personally, that your involvement in owning businesses and properties in Bangalore helps you in your role as mayor?
1: Well, one of the greatest things that i have in the convenience store, where I, like I said, I spend most of my time, is you see so many people in the course of a day and the course of a week, and people, you know, it's a small town, so people know that I'm on the city council and know I'm mayor. Actually, when I got done last time, but five years after, people still thought I was on the city council, so the telling me the city concerns, but it's, it's great because people come in, they, they tell you how they, how they feel. If there's a problem, if there's a pothole in the street, they need fixed or if they are having trouble with a trash pick. But so there's that perspective, but also the perspective of how the city interacts with small businesses, because especially right now during the pandemic, small businesses are really been challenged, not just in Bangalore, but you know, across the country. And I think we've been, uh, a little more, we've tried to be nimble in Bangor, try to be responsive to the needs of the business. I mean, last summer we closed some streets downtown so people could have restaurants, could do more outside seating. Uh, we just, you know, we just tried to be flexible with some of the businesses so they could be more creative to, during the pandemic because obviously all the businesses are struggling, but particularly hotels and uh, restaurants are really are really having a hard time. So we, I think the city's really tried to you know, bend over backwards to help these businesses. and We used some, we get some uh, community development block grant money from the federal government. We were able to use some of those funds to help some of the small businesses that couldn't access some of the CARES Act money. So, we, we really, I think, uh, have tried to do a good job during this time. And, of course, the city struggled, too, during the pandemic. We built the Cross Center a couple of years ago, the big uh, meeting and uh, event center, and that's been closed since April. So, well, um, every
0: everybody's having a tough time right now. Yeah, yeah it, it, no doubt about that. And um, it's interesting hearing you you talk about um, you know running the store and being there a lot and being able to interact with the public. Um, that that is interesting. I can see how that's a real advantage for for not only, you know, the, the citizens that come in contact with you, but for you yourself as a council member or um, as mayor, being able to have that, you know, daily interaction with the, the, the people that live in Bangor is, is somewhat probably unique in that they're having access to you when they do have a gripe or an idea or a concept. Um, so you really get to hear, you know, at the, at the ground level, so to speak, what's going on on a day-to-day basis. And I'm sure that helps helps a lot. And, and Particularly as you mentioned uh, during COVID and and having to be responsive as um, as a as a city government to helping uh, small businesses navigate this and be creative, I'm sure that that your role as a business owner has helped there as well because you you know firsthand you know what it's like to get licenses and and compliance and different things that need to be done in order to run a business. So that's that's great that you've been able to bring that that uh, basket of experience to to the council and to the role of mayor. So I think that's wonderful. Um, speaking of the, of the pandemic, you know, Maine, uh, a lot of people statistically we've seen that in Maine, you know, real estate prices are up 15 to 20%. Um, there was a state, uh, I think there was a record set for the number of home purchases, um, this past year. And a lot of that seems to be people that were living in, you know, perhaps New York city, Boston, um, larger met- metropolitan areas that, Found out they can work remotely, or you know they don't want to live in a, in a more populated area, so they've come up to Maine, and um, that's driven some prices up and, and and whatnot, which is good for some, um, not good for others. But but it is showing that more people are, are, are sort of looking at Maine as a place to be. So if if someone's out there listening and they're not from uh, Maine or they're not from Bangor right now, and they're thinking of moving to Maine. Um, and Bangor specifically, what would you tell them, you know, if you had a minute or two as to why Bangor would be a good place to consider to live, um, you know, buy a home, raise a family, that sort of thing?
1: No, absolutely. I've always been big on Bangor as a place to live, but I think particularly, like you said, during the pandemic, a lot of people in some of the more urban areas are looking to relocate. I mean, and and the thing is, some of these houses that go on the market, you've got to be quick. They'll sell in a day or two my brother was looking for a camp. He lives in the DC area. He wanted to get, you know, a summer place up here. He's been looking for a couple of years, and finally this year they found a place that they liked. And uh they couldn't get up to see it. They had to kind of take our word. We went and looked at it for them, and you know, they bought a three and it spent three fifty on a place and taking our word for it. So we were very hopeful they'd like it. <laughs> they they really do, but uh, it's it's tough because people out of state are buying a lot of. Property side unseen, but even though in Bangor and Maine and yeah. overall, real estate prices have gone up. Still, relative to a, a lot of other areas, it's still great deals in real estate around here. And I think we've got what people are looking for. I mean, we're a little smaller population. Even though we've got you know high-speed internet and broadband, it's still a lower, a, a slower pace I think in Bangor than in some of the rest of the country uh the areas for recreational uses a uh, sunday my wife and i went snowshoeing right not right in Bangalore, although on the golf course in Bangor people people are going snowshoeing and uh, cross country skiing every day but we went half hour away and went snowshoeing sunday here an hour to Acadia national park we've got a uh, international airport in Bangor which even though the uh, service is down right now because it's pandemic from a year ago we, you know, we had flights from Bangor to Detroit, to New York, to Philadelphia, to Newark, to Charlotte, North Carolina. So we've, we've got great connectivity. If you get to New York or Detroit, you can connect to and Newark. You can connect anywhere in the world. So, and, it, and it's, you know, it's five minutes. When I travel and talk to people that say, oh, you know, they live in major hubs. and they say, oh, I had to drive an hour to get up at five or three o'clock in the morning, drive an hour to get to the airport. I said, oh, I flight with a 620 I left my house at uh, 530 to get to the airport. They, they look at me like I'm nuts or something but uh, it's so close and uh you know we've got a world-class hospital in Bangor our schools have won awards for the, the quality of our schools and uh so we've got a lot of great amenities in Bangor great neighborhoods great parks I think for, for a city this size we've got uh, a lot going for us
0: that's great that's great and, and I, I before we um Got on got on the phone here and, and did this podcast. I did look at uh, some of the houses in Bangor that are for sale, and you are right. It's it's, it's amazing what you can get uh, compared to other parts of the country. Um, you know, in value wise for your money, if you want to spend uh, whatever your budget is, so the homes I I saw they're generally um, much larger. Some of them are just beautiful. Um, you know, if they were in Massachusetts, they'd be literally two or three, $3 million dollars and, exactly, and yeah. Bangor, you know, it's um, you know four hundred thousand, four twenty-five, something like that, which is still an expensive home for Maine, but um, comparatively around the country, there's some some tremendous values there. Um, let, let's talk about uh, the the challenges you see facing Bangor. Um, every every municipality has challenges that they're always looking at. Um, they're different, you know, across the country and and from town to town and city to city. But what what are some of the challenges you see that Bangor is facing over the next five years and And, you know, how are you looking at addressing them?
1: Well, no, you're right, John. I mean, Bangor, again, I don't think we're unique if you look at cities our size and larger across the country. And I think a lot of these challenges that we're facing over the next five years, the next few years, we've been facing for a number of years now. And a lot of them have been amplified as a result of the pandemic. When I ran four years ago to get back on the council, as a candidate, site, people you know, this was one of the questions, what's the biggest challenge? At that time, I said, well, the opiate crisis, we really need to address it. And uh, we we have been addressing it. And even though the pandemic going on and people, it's not on the front page every day, it really hasn't gone any better. We're still seeing a tremendous amount of deaths as a result of opioid overdoses. And the problem is is, large, is huge. I mean, I think the... the um the doctors, decides prescription, the people getting addicted to opiates, like the way this crisis started, has gotten better. But people are still having the issues, and we're trying to address it. Is a city, Bangor's one of two cities in the state that has its own public health department, Portland does, and Bangor does. So we've done a lot through a public health department to try to reach out to work with people that are having uh, in crisis. I mean, our fire department, the police department have Narcan in the car. So we're trying to do. A lot but it's the problem is huge it seems like you, you know you plug in a dike you get one hole plug something pops out someplace yeah. else so we, we, but at the same time and a lot of these problems are tied together i mean the other issue is which is huge is it you know, town like bangor you wouldn't think so but we've got a big problem with the homeless issue i mean it, i mean typically we've always had homeless population in bangor it's probably been you know maybe Year round average, we might have a couple dozen homeless people, maybe 20 to 30. I mean, this summer we had about 150 homeless in the city of Angkor. and people had set up tents on the waterfront. I mean, it was really, it had gotten out of hand. And uh, we don't want to just, you know, do a sweep and say, okay, they're gone. They're probably, you know, they're someplace else. The problem take care. We're trying to get these people into a situation where they're into a better situation. And people think, well, okay, you give somebody a, a place to live and their problems are solved. Not likely. When somebody that's homeless, that's probably one of their problems, but they usually have, they might have a drug addiction issue. They obviously probably don't have a job. They may have other medical issues, dental care. Uh, they just, they have a lot of other issues they need to deal with. So just finding somebody a place to get out of the and you know the weather isn't going to solve the problem. So, right. It's, but it's also in you know, the Bangor problem. These people are not all from Bangor. That, you know, sixty maybe twenty-five percent of the people are from Bangor. Probably seventy-five percent are from the region. And then there's another twenty-five percent that are, you know, from out of state or from out, you know out of the region. So, but it falls on Bangor to, to to deal with it. So we're trying to get some help from the state to deal with this, and I mean, hopefully we will. But, uh, hmm. it, it's a big problem. And, trying to get a regional
0: approach to it yeah thanks for sharing that it actually you know gives gives people some insight into the you know problems that others face and how you know as a city official you have to really look at it from a broad perspective it's not an easy fix and it's not easy to say yeah well just get rid of those homeless people or you know that person's a drug addict there's a lot of underlying factors that that feed into that. And it sounds like there's no real easy fix, but I'm glad that to hear that you're uh, you're working towards it and you're, you're thinking of it and you're collaborating with the state on different ways that you might be able to help there. You had mentioned um, that you went to the University of Maine, as I did. So uh, that's the flagship campus, the University of Maine at Orono for the University okay. of Maine system. They have campuses around the state, but uh, Orono is, is is the flagship and the largest, of course. Um, and that's pretty close to Bangor. It's, it's uh, I think... Ten miles away, so are, are there any direct benefits to the city of Bangor um, being located so close to the state's flagship university campus?
1: Oh, there, are, there, are, there are a lot. I mean, one just you know just having that campus there, and the I mean, I think probably most of the professors that teach at the university probably live in Bangor. I mean, I, we've got a number of people that name uh either work at the university or teach at the university. But when we built, like I said, we built this uh, the cross town, which is our arena and conference center in Bangor about seven or eight years ago, both men's and women's basketball games have played at the cross center of Bangor. Um, but they also, in the last probably 15 years, the RNG at the university has really taken off and there's been a number of uh, businesses that have been spun out of that. And just uh, within the last month, uh, another one of those businesses has expanded again and they've expanded it in Bangor. And these, you know, these are good jobs that are being created up there. So it's really good to have those types of jobs in the area. Because, I mean, that's one thing we do need at Angle. Is we do need more high-end jobs. We get, there's a lot of service center jobs, a lot of jobs where you can work in the supermarket or work at a restaurant. But we do need a lot more of the high-end jobs
0: yeah, to I, help
1: improve those types of jobs.
0: Yeah, thank you. I, I I agree with that totally. I think Maine in general, I know Maine in general needs to find ways to attract um, higher earning jobs and, and better quality jobs. Um, and mm-hmm. It sounds like the University of Maine being close to Bangor is, um, at least in, in your sphere of influence, um, seeing that that is possible as, as innovation takes place and as um, companies start to take hold. So that's good to, good to hear. Uh, we, you had mentioned the Bangor International Airport, and, um, you know, I'm familiar with it. Uh, actually, back in the late 80s, my father was a commercial airline pilot. And I do mm-hmm. rem- I do remember I was living in Bangor in the late 80s, and I remember getting up early one morning on purpose at like yeah. 4 a.m., uh, on a cold morning and, and and dragging myself out of bed and driving over to the airport because I knew he was uh, flying a, a commercial flight out that morning and, um, and I wanted to watch him take off in a Boeing 737. Yeah. I'd flown with him a lot, but I'd never actually got to see him take off like a commercial plane. So I remember pulling up to the fence and uh, he didn't know I was there, but I I could actually see him in the cockpit switching switches and everything, and and then they they yeah. they went off and took off, and I watched it disappear. So um, that's my little interesting uh, memory of Bangor. But I know I know the airport is a is a tremendous asset to not only the city of Bangor and the region, but it also has some national um, strategic prominence. So if you could just tell us a little bit about about the airport and what that that means to the city of Bangor.
1: Sure. Uh, no, as far as the national promise, I'm not sure where we fall, but we do have one of the longest runways for an airport. It, we, we were initially it was a uh, military uh, base, uh, and um, so it does. It has one of the longest uh, runways, and it's like the fifth or sixth backup uh, runways for the space shuttle. They haven't need to, to land. It could be a landing site for the space shuttle. But uh, we have. Uh, I know you have a military background and stuff, but the airport. The main Air National Guard is located at Bangor National Airport. So we have a joint use agreement with the Guard, which I don't think we still probably could run the airport without it, but it would be a lot more difficult and it wouldn't be quite the experience we have with the airport without the joint use agreement with the Guard. So they supply most of the equipment we use for uh, clearing the you know, snow clearing at the airport. Uh, our guys run the equipment. But the guard provides most of the equipment. Um, they spend a lot of money on upgrades for the runway, and uh, the fire department at the airport is the National Guard fire department. So we don't need to provide our own fire department at the airport;
0: that's provided
1: by the National Guard. So it's really uh, it's a great uh, relationship with the guard, and, uh, and we actually we're just working on renewing it right now. I think it's either a five-year or ten-year agreement, and it's being worked on to get renewed right now. So, but it's just a great asset to, to be able to have that, uh, you know, not just the people of Bangor, but companies like Jackson Lab, or Harbor, of Maine Medical Center, University of Maine. I mean, they need to have people being able to fly in and out. Sure. Into different areas of the country on a regular basis. So it's, it, and it, it's not, you know, when I fly out of Bangor, I'll be honest, I, I always, I want to fly out of Bangor, but I'll check the price in Portland and stuff. And honestly, the last, I always get a flight out of Bangor. They're either the same price or maybe a little less than Portland, and you don't have to drive the two hours. So I I, I check to see, you know, is it a good deal? And the, the deals are great out of Bangor.
0: Yeah, they, they, it's a good point because I, um, you know, my, my house in, in Maine is in Waterville, which is sort of closer to Bangor, but um, almost the same distance to Portland. And uh, it used to be uh, that, that flying out of Bangor, for whatever reason, always cost considerably more. Um, but I have yeah. noticed over the last, you know, five years that 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 has shifted, and Bangor has become a much um, a more affordable place to fly out of, and also more connected, as you had mentioned earlier um, in our discussion here about this, the direct flights to various cities. And and I do remember watching when the space shuttles were flying; they would always show that that bangor was a um, a diversion area if they had an emergency that yeah that was where they could uh, set down the first place in the um in the east coast and so yeah it's that's cool to know and it's also interesting to hear you explain about the, the synergies and the partnership you have with the air national guard because um just hearing you talk about that obviously that's a tremendous game changer in terms of the city's ability to um have a major airport like that in top condition and, and um and all that. So that's that's unique and that's probably why the airport's been able to flourish by that partnership. Yeah. So I hope you continue exactly. to keep that going. Um you know let's talk about uh quickly here COVID nineteen it's obviously affected the entire country. Uh you've touched upon um, um you know some of the, the medical facilities that are in Bangor and that is it's a whole other area we could talk about at another time, but Bangor does have, uh, you know, the state of Maine's, some of the state of Maine's best health care and uh, um, some major hospitals, major um, uh, specialty areas with heart and, um, you know, different things that can be done there. So you've got a great health system, but nonetheless, COVID's affected the entire country. Maine has been noted uh, nationally as being one of the states hit especially hard in terms of um, restrictions and lockdowns um, related to COVID, you know, compared to some other states in the country or even the region, uh, Maine's been you know, seemingly, from what's been reported and what I've been able to see and talk people talk to, it's been harder on Mainers uh, in terms of the restrictions, um, uh, the business shutdowns, and that sort of thing. So, you know, you had mentioned a little earlier how that has affected uh, Bangor in particular, but. You know, now that the vaccine is on the horizon, people are getting vaccinated. We're moving forward um, with a vision, you know, nationally that things are going to be getting better. Um, how do you see Bangor emerging from COVID in the coming weeks and months as the restrictions are lifted and as, you know, more people uh, get vaccinated and we, we get back to normal? Well,
1: I I think we're going to come out of this okay. I think two things. I mean, Maine has one of the oldest Populations in the country percentage wise. So I think that's part of the reason they've been a little more restrictive than some other areas. But we also are so dependent on the hospitality industry in Maine, particularly in the summertime, the coastal areas of the state,
0: but even in Bangor.
1: I mean, we, hospitality is big in Bangor. The the hotels are big. I mean, the hotels have taken a huge hit. The restaurants are taking a huge hit. So hopefully, as we start to get the vaccine out, we can start to get some things opened up. where i we had a meeting last night where we talked about the rollout of the vaccine, and they're hopeful that they're going to get to the one B group sometime and uh, maybe even towards the end of this month. So that would be great if we can start getting people who are essential workers vaccinated and the people over the I think the people over seventy five are in the one b group. So I think the big thing is if we get the vaccine out, we can get back to work.
0: Yeah, that that that's logical and you make a very good point. I think Maine is in fact the oldest uh, state in the country in terms of the average age of the populace uh, or the percentage of people over the age of 60. So, um that that is a tough thing to handle knowing that that segment of the population is obviously much more affected by by COVID um and and then also having to balance that with Maine being so dependent on tourism and um the hospitality industry so it, it's a tough tough balancing act to, to to do both those things and obviously people's lives are very important so it's uh, definitely been tough but i hope 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 you're right and i hope that as the vaccines uh, become widely distributed that we can look towards a a spring and summer um that shows uh maine and bangor getting getting back into uh you know normal normal ranges. So.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah, whatever normal is,
0: exactly. Right, so, uh, well, you know, we're getting close to the end here. I, I would like to ask you, just to, out of curiosity, um, you know, for the people that are listening, a lot of them might be from Bangor, probably a lot aren't. Um, can you tell us uh, two or three things about Bangor that, that people might find interesting that they wouldn't know about? Ah, that's, that's a good one, John.
1: <laughs> Let me see, uh, two things. Well, one, I think that I've always thought was is neat, and I, you know, being from here, you, you kind of know these things. But people from way, like you said, probably might not be aware. of, But you know, in the late 1800s, Bangor was a, a huge busted port. It was the lumber capital of the wo- world. I mean, there's, these huge houses you talked about on West Broadway and Bangor—they were built by the, the lumber barons. I mean, we were shipping lumber to the West Coast, and I mean, when they talked about the great cities in the United States, and you know the latter part of the 1800s, they talked about San Francisco, New York City and, and Bangor. I mean, that, it was a big deal. We had a symphony orchestra in Bangor. And we were very, it was a very cosmopolitan city. So uh, so that's one thing people might not know about Bangor. And I think the other thing, uh, there's probably a few things, but I was thinking uh, I think most people know Stephen King's famous author that lives in Bangor now, but uh, in the 1930s, the Al, Al Brady Gang was public enemy number one and they were in Maine. They came to a uh, sporting goods store downtown one day, and they ordered uh, three uh, machine guns. <laughs> and they said, we'll be back tomorrow to pick them up. So the uh, guy that owned the sporting goods store called the uh, authorities. And the next day, the agents from the FBI were posing as clerks in the store when the great gang came to pick up their, their machine guns. And they, uh, they gunned them down on the Central Street downtown. Wow. So, that was for the shootout with Public Enemy Number One in the 1930s in downtown Bangor. Actually, right across from where Club Roxy was. Downtown.
0: Wow, wow. That, that, that's really interesting. I, I didn't know know that. I think I had heard about it in the back of my mind, but I didn't know the level of detail. And uh, that's yeah. that's amazing uh, to know. So thanks for sharing that. Um, you know, we really enjoyed our time with you, Dan, today. I, I, I will say, I'll throw something else in here um, before we go. You know, the last um, week or two, we've seen a lot of, a um, lot of animosity across the country, if, for lack of a better word, with you know, politically, mm-hmm. and um, I think it's been upsetting for everyone to see, no matter where you sit politically, and um, you know, your mayor, which is uh, of, of a municipality. So, I just hope uh, that you know, people can can kind of look at what's happened in the last couple of weeks and. And even in the last year, on both sides, and and, and find a middle ground and, and stop being, um, you know, so one side against the other, and 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 try to be more civil with each other, and not let things get to the point where uh, what we've seen, you know, here recently. And, you know, as a, as a leader, I'm sure that that's uh, something you have to deal with um, on some level. And I just ho- I wish you luck with that, because I think if we can start at the community level and, and, and try to get people to be more um, uh, tolerant, I don't know if tolerance is the right word, but just more.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's a good point. It is a good word. It's a great point, John. I think we've got to stop demonizing the other side. I mean, you can I think you can disagree with people's ideas all the time, uh, you know, all day long. But. When you start attacking the individual, I think that's when it gets dangerous. I mean, there's a lot of ideas people have that I don't like, but I I just, you know, I try not to go after the people. I said, you know, there's a lot of, you know, I have pretty strong opinions, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think we all want to live in a country that, for a free country, a country we love, and a country that, I mean, a lot of people that I know fought for, so and I appreciate that. I never served in the military, but. I appreciate
0: the people that have. So uh, we're very lucky to be able to live in this country. Yeah, definitely. So um, good way to end this this session. So, Dan, uh, thank you for stopping by uh, with, with Mainly Matters and talking with us. Good luck with the rest of your term as mayor. And um, we really appreciate it. And we'll, uh, we'll probably check in with you maybe in another episode uh, down the road and, and see how things are going.
1: All right. Great talking. Thanks, John.
0: All right, this is John Breyer with Mainly Matters. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be back with another episode soon.